0: Hey, this is Adam and Matt, and here's what's coming up on this
1: week's (laughs) CarCast. Rutledge Wood
0: here, uh, American Top Gear. I just saw what I
1: believe is the last episode. Uh, You guys up in Iceland? Yeah. How about that? Great Uh, episode. Really, by the way, that That was so much fun. I watch every episode. Love the
0: show. Tanner's a hack behind the wheel though. What a joke! You're so fast, Jimmy Vassar is (laughs) on this track. Uh, uh, Tanner couldn't couldn't get him. Right. Go back to like 19. 91 and go, oh, there's this dude who just kicked the crap out of Tyson. I guess they got in an argument in a liquor store. Anyway, the guy beat the shit out of him. You'd be like, who is this what? dude? Yeah, I yeah. appreciate you saying it because I think sometimes people watch Top Gear on History and they think like, oh, Rutledge, you must suck as a driver. If you put anybody next to Tanner, I'm right. sorry, you're going to look like you've never seen a steering wheel in your life. Listen for free through iTunes,
1: the free Adam Corolla app, or visit acecarcast.com. This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little deviled eggs. It's me, Allison. Guess what? I've gone rogue again because Gary's at Coachella right now. I don't know why. So I'm sitting here in my apartment recording this by myself. I could say anything I want about Gary. I could also do something that Gary hates, which is get way too close to the microphone and then the sound will distort. There's a couple of things Gary hates in this world, and one of them is bad audio. And the other one, I'm not going to tell you. You're just going to have to guess. I'm so tempted to get really close to the mic and yell, but I'm not going to. You know why? Because I'm an adult, kind of. In this episode, Aisha Tyler. I love her. But before we get to that, I think we have time for a quick iTunes comment of the week. And I will be reading that, because as I mentioned, Gary's in the desert. Not with a bunch of hippies. That would be Burning Man. He's in the desert with a bunch of... I don't know. What kind of people go to Coachella? Let me know. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please
0: leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars.
1: All right. And reminder, Monday's show with the guest, and then Thursday is just Gary and me. You know, if he comes back. Okay. Okay. Here's this, hang on one second. I have to deal with something going on with the dog. Oliver, don't do that. Hi, it's me again, super professional. Okay, here's the iTunes comment of the week. It is Allison and Gary are both my new BFs and it is from Chad Wick Livingston. Does that mean his name is Chadwick? How will we ever know? But it's Chad Wick, and the wick is in quotes. I have been listening to and loving the podcast from the beginning, but I have recently found a whole new reason to stay tuned in. Gary's description of how he kicks people to the curb a little too quickly really hit home. I have struggled with this my entire life. I lock on to that one annoying thing that someone does and it begins to rapidly fester. Before you know it, bam, out of my life. But just in case you guys are worried, I don't plan on kicking you to the curb anytime soon. Allison, you are lovely, intelligent, and very good at what you do. You were born to do this. Gary, you are the quiet voice of reason. You don't speak a lot, but when you do, it is gold. I love having you both in my headphones for a few hours a week, and I thank you for it. Well, thank you, Chad. Let's not get too carried away on the Gary thing, but I agree. I think he is great. Uh, I want to tell you guys about... Our good friends over at GoToMeeting, let's say you have planned to have a relaxing day, entering a hula hoop contest, soaking in the jacuzzi, just sitting around watching TV. Maybe you're watching The Americans. I'm watching that. Um, maybe you want to take a six-hour shower. I wish that didn't rhyme. The point is you don't want to have to schlep your buns into the office to meet with your coworkers to talk about some important project you have or whatever it is that they need to talk to you about. And you don't need to go all the way to wherever they are now. You guys don't need to all be in the same place because you can just use go to meeting. You can meet on your computer, you can see, or your iPad iPhone, you can see each other, crystal clear, HD quality, you can hear each other, you can collaborate on documents, you can put your heads together, you can get a lot of work done, and it is super efficient and super convenient. Gary and I use it, and as soon as we end the meeting and I just go back to email, I've said it before, and it makes me feel pathetic, but I'm going to say it again, I sometimes feel lonely because there was so much contact. And then there's just none. Um, so you need GoToMeeting. It will make your life so much simpler. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click on the Try It Free button and use the promo code Allison. Remember, use the promo code Allison again because I'm Allison. It just makes sense. Okay, you guys. Here is the episode with Aisha Tyler. Um, I really appreciate her. Her being on my show. I loved talking to her, and I kept after afterwards. I kept thinking of things she said. And smiling and thinking that was smart. And she had a whole bunch of stuff to say. And some of it on the show and some of it after, which was super helpful um, about weddings and all of that stuff. So, um, but, and super helpful about a whole bunch of other stuff. She's just a person who is very... She's, a, she's an effective person. I'm sort of just a... What's the opposite of effective? cute and charming I'm a cute and charming person I mean maybe I'm neither though now I'm just flapping my gums you know why because there's no Gary here to be giving me a mildly disapproving look but I love you guys oh and if you want your comment to be iTunes comment of the week leave us a comment click five stars it's that's my favorite number of stars if there were six that'd be my favorite uh and then maybe your comment can be iTunes comment of the week too okay here's the episode I love you guys Allison, Rosen, Allison, Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, we've heard the good times never end. Allison, Rosen, do you remember we need friends dance again? Allison, Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and this is very exciting. I'm here with Aisha Tyler. Hey. Someone who the listeners of the show are so excited about you being on my show. Oh, goody gumdrops. Yeah. So, Aisha Tyler, you, well, I feel like it's silly to even explain who you are to people because they know, but you are a podcaster. You're an author, actress, host. What am I missing? Very Writer. Very slutty. Very
0: slutty. Any job, <laughs> I'll take any job.
1: Yeah. Um, um,
0: Stand up comic. For twenty years, um, I make a mean. I make. I don't make anything mean. Actually, I was like, I make a mean pie, but I really don't. Well, actually, no, I but I cook. read that
1: you don't. Unless this is someone just monkeying with your Wikipedia page, didn't you have a thing where you would go to restaurants and yeah, then replicate actually, I the meals? Yeah, actually, co- well, it's funny. I am a cook, but I
0: used to be a cook. And when I was, I remember my grandmother once saying to me, "Like, oh, I'm done cooking." And I thought, "Who the fuck is done? Can I curse on your show? Of course. Okay, good, thank God. Fuck yeah. Like, who the fuck is done cooking? But I'm right now, at least, like in a cooking like interregnum because I <laughs> have no time, ta- like
1: no that time word to cook. is always used on this show, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm all
0: about upping the SAT word quotient. Um, like, I can't, I have no time to cook, so like. Like all like I'm my skills are atrophying, and I just am like, Is there chicken? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I used to really love it, I used to be super into it. I still love to eat, so I still mm-hmm. love to eat, but I used to be like, I'd eat in a nice restaurant that I like try to make it, you know, for seven dollars instead of seventy hundred dollars. That's not a, a number, seventy hundred. I mean, no, I 100. do, I know what you mean. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah,
1: okay, what's the most challenging thing you replicated? Ooh.
0: okay, so my first move to LA. Um, I had a lot – like I, I had a day job for a while and then I quit it, which was was like really triumphant, only like I didn't have a plan for what to do after that. What was your so day job? That, uh, I was I was an advertising executive. I've been doing stand-up pretty much the whole time I was working and I always say to people like – in awful quote, like, air, like crabby-handed air quotes, like keep your day job because it, it, people think it's like a an albatross but it frees you to just – be artistic without worrying about making money from yes. it. So I kept it as long as I could. And also, you could like make copies on The Office Copy or your shows and your headshots and use their postage and shit. So – but when I finally did quit, I was like home all day and I was like – I had like a really ambitious schedule. Like I'd sleep until like 10 and then I'd watch like the, the little bear block on Nickelodeon Jr. <laughs> and I would start cooking – all day, and I'd make these really elaborate desserts. So I Still would. Still in
1: your pajamas? Or sti- how did you oh, change that? Well,
0: sweats, like the yeah. adult version of pajamas. Right. daytime like, pajamas. Yes, <laughs> like tear, tear, <laughs> tear stains, urine stained sweats. And I would cook all day, and I used to make these layer cakes where you would have to make like five or six cookie sheets of this really thin, like, you know, uh, cake, and then like make a cream filling and like layer them in a cake pan. And those w- were never very successful. But the great thing about making something in like one of those breakaway cake pans is you mm-hmm. can just dig it out of the cake pan with a spoon. Like, no one gives a shit. It. and then right. you're going to chew it all up and it's going to look the same anyway. And I once made a rabbit tart that was like rabbit? I've never had it rabbit. It tastes like chicken. So there's and I I mean legitimately, not like kind of like chicken or rem- reminiscent of chicken, but like it's just it's chicken. So I don't really recommend eating rabbits unless it's like the end of it's like apocalypse and right and you need them because they make babies quickly and they make mm-hmm. a lot of themselves they replicate but otherwise just avoid rabbit it's not worth your time what about frog's legs have you had that yeah i can't do it because there's something about like their crotchal area still being attacked like if you get because like we had them in we just the, the talk went to new orleans and we had like all this local food and they brought a pile of them mm-hmm. but it wasn't like individual legs like a chicken it was like the whole like lower like the the, nether regions the, yeah like the pelvic area oh. plus the legs so they're like frog balls it, frog balls frog crotchal area wow. frog pelvis and that i couldn't do it i couldn't do it and i'm not a pussy i'll eat almost anything like i'm a foodie mm-hmm. i'll Put almost anything in my mouth, um, and more if you pay me, but it was just not, it was just not food, you know, it was not food. I yeah. couldn't do it, yeah. That and kidneys, I can't do, I haven't been able to choke down kidneys yet. Oh, um, I've never,
1: I like livery things, I like yeah. all the other
0: things, but not the
1: kidneys. I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to eat kidney, and I'm that's, okay with that. That's okay. Like, yeah. If it,
0: if, it, if, it, if you're ever like in a foreign country and someone's like, and this is our specialty kidney, then I suggest just going for it then. Uh, depending on the cleanliness of the establishment, but like essentially, I remember reading an article in the New York Times where a guys like I love kidneys because my dad was this old Irish guy who loved kidneys and he would always make kidneys, and then he and then there was a whole thing in the article about how to get the pee smell, like to get rid the, of the, the
1: piss smell from kidneys. But and isn't that like, the best part? I'm tapping out. No, yeah. that's I don't, I'm good. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm good. Ew. Yeah. So how did you? It's interesting what you're saying about. Keep your day job because it frees you up to pursue things creatively mm-hmm. without that fear of how to support yourself hanging mm-hmm. over your head. Because mm-hmm. I was actually just talking about this with my fiance. Mm-hmm. And I was I was saying that I had a guest on the show who's a musician who, you know, a while ago was signed to a label and did the whole thing, but now has realized for him it helps his music to have a day job. Interesting. So we were talking about that. But how did – like at, at what point did you realize, well, now is the time that you should quit your advertising job? Oh, when they were on the verge of firing me probably
0: no, um, uh, you know, yeah, like it just seemed like a natural breaking point, like I do think that um well, people who work in advertising or who know people who work in advertising or who watch Batman um know that like there's a really interesting ebb and flow to the advertising business where if a a client comes in, a million people get hired, and there's a lot of activity, and when a client leaves, everybody gets like unceremoniously fired and um and it's na- it's like a natural aspect of advertising of mm-hmm. that world, and you're just and and also. Companies are really fickle. Like it's rare for a company to just stick with the same ad agency for a long time. They just they're just super slutty and they jump around and they always have some new ad. We can do it better for cheaper and we can get you you know the, that friggin the quarterback from that team you want to fuck you know what I mean. So <laughs> so um so, uh, the client that I worked for went away. And that was just like an – it just seemed opportune. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, right. OK. There's an opening here. I might as well just take it. Uh, and and then and then there was a period where like I wasn't really working and I wasn't I was doing stand-up, but I wasn't making any money at stand-up. Um, and, and then I got a deal. I was lucky. Like I kind of got a, a deal after that. Um, but I do think also for stand-up, for any art – I mean it's interesting to hear about this guy. I feel like it's important to be having like human experiences all the time. And like it's not super like human to like drive a sports car from like your – palace, I'm talking about you, Adam Krola, from your palatial house to a palatial <laughs> studio. When are you living, Adam? When do you actually, you know? But so, you know, I mean, I do think it's important to try to force yourself into, like, the world. And mm-hmm. like. And so um, I don't miss that job. Fuck no. But um, I could see how somebody would say just making art about like, earlier I made some art, now I'm making more art about my art. You know, I could right. say that would just be, like, yeah. a little cir- you know, circular.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's the thing, though. As much as I totally get that it does help to well well here's what i think i think that the fear of oh my god how am i going to pay my bills yeah from my experience of that was it didn't help me be creative it right. helped me churn out a Paralyzed bunch of shit that with wasn't fear. Yeah, yeah yeah that wasn't good right it was it was one of the least creative times of my life right. because i was just so frightened Afraid. and i felt like such a failure which i know goes into your the your your book my book yeah but, but
0: that's so interesting because also what it does is it it can be paralyzing in a way that you don't see like you can't see yeah. that and also what it what it creates i think is this really common and very unhealthy um resentment of others like this like poisonous like why does he have that and why don't i have that Mm -hmm. you know and whereas if you're working i mean you may still have those feelings but you're just like okay like i'm gonna work eight hours and i'm gonna be organized with my life and then i'm gonna get to do something i love and i'll take every shitty unpaid bullshit coffee house nothing gig because who gives a fuck i'm just gonna go do stand-up because it gives me joy and um and yeah that that paralyzing fear can be just this like a grip on your heart that you – but you don't see it. You're just right. like, oh, I feel like shit. Because it attacks what your sense it? of
1: self. Yes, completely. But there's something so soul-crushing about spending your time working a job that is completely outside what you want to be doing. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and then you're – you're. I mean the other thing is like you're hyper aware of that too. You're like, oh, this cubicle, these people. The right, end. yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean I was lucky to have – I don't know. I was lucky to have like pr- relatively good day jobs. Like I worked as a marketing executive and then I worked as an ad executive. So like I, I wasn't a boss, but I had like a, a modicum of respect and power at work. You know, like I was – was first I was a right, personal assistant. And I kind of worked my way up from assistant. So at first I was – no, I had no power and I was not respected at all. But I worked my way up to like low-level executive and I had a little bit more impunity. Like I used to do stand-up I, like after work. I would like go in at like six – but I was a well, worker. Like don't – you can't – Can't have a day job and want to be an artist and not be a worker. If you're not a worker, there's just no answer for Mm -hmm. you. You know. So like I needed to leave work early to do stand-up. I didn't just bail because that would have got me fired. I would go in at 6 and then work till 4. So I'd already put in 10 hours when I bailed early. And I would make a real point of like sending 50 emails at 6 in the morning. (laughs) I am here. I'm here. I also mopped. Fuck you. So that made it easier for me. And I was was exhausted and I almost killed myself 100 times driving like back and forth to Sacramento. But – I just feel like if you can navigate both of those worlds, you you're miserable, but you don't resent the job because the job is a tool, mm-hmm. you know, and everything in your life should be a tool to get what you want. It shouldn't be like this thing that's being done to right. you. you know Have you
1: always had this healthy outlook? I, yeah,
0: you know it's hard it's like you don't you're not always able to see yourself clearly, but I just come from workers, you know, like my dad is just this guy who. Like my mom is a really sweet and loving like artistic person. So that's like where all my kind of like art
1: mm-hmm. stuff
0: comes from. But my dad is just a guy who like lost his dad when he was really little, grew up with a single mom in Pittsburgh with nothing. He has an eighth grade education and he just was like – you know, there's just – he does not believe in feeling sorry for himself or anyone ever, ever. Like I I broke my arm once like when I was in summer camp when I was maybe like eight or nine and he made me ride my bike all the way back home from summer camp. And then I fell on it and then he made me get back up and get back on my bike. And that sounds super mean. But A, I don't think he believed it was broken. But then B, after that, he was just like, you know, I love you, but the world is not going to fucking pick you up. Mm-hmm. you got to get up on your own. And and so that attitude of just like anything you want, you can get, but like you have to work for it. Nobody owes you shit. And I don't and, – and this business is so – it has so little – it cares nothing for you. It cares – and – There's so many bruised. So this is what I deserve. Why am I getting one? You know, I don't care. You could be you could literally be sitting on like the next fucking, you know, hurt locker or, you know, fucking Godfather. I don't give a shit. Nobody gives a shit. What Mm -hmm. are you doing? You know what I mean? And then you know what? You could toil your whole life and still not get – you know, make it. And that's OK because that's the nature of being alive. So the minute people lick their wounds in the corner in the dark about how like they're owed this and somebody got that before they got that, well, you know what? The world is fucking unfair. And I, my dad just taught me that from a very early age. He's like, I love you, but I, I can't love the world fair. So like you just got to get out there and grind, you know? And I think the work makes – grinding is its own reward. Like when you're busy, you just don't have time to ever be like
1: – why, why me, you know, um, what is your schedule like? Because from where I'm sitting, it seems like you are involved in so many different projects that it makes me wonder, how do you have time? Unless there's some extra time that I'm not aware of. I'm
0: totally on the verge of a psychotic break. Okay. okay. Actually, I got here a little early and I fell asleep in my car. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's funny because I, f- I also feel like people complain about being, bu- and I complain about being busy too. Maybe I don't whine about it, but I'm like, Oh, I'm so fucking busy but it's what I want. So I just have to like okay. accept it. Okay. So disclaimer, but yeah. 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 Like, no, you know, feel free to complain. <laughs> okay. So I'm so busy. <laughs> I have a thought. Um, no, you know, so like I, 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 if I'm doing everything right, like if I have my shit together, I get up every day at five o'clock. I work out. I get to work around seven or seven, like between seven thirty and eight. Work being the talk. The talk. We shoot that four days a week. That's amazing. Like such a great gig and such an amazing setup because we shoot live four days and then we tape our fifth day. Um, but I'm out of there by like, you know, like latest like two or three in the afternoon, so I'm able to go home and then you know either go to my office and record podcast, you know, record my own podcast mm-hmm. or Girl cut and, and edit up, uh, yeah, upload it. Girl on guy. Um, I have a book coming out. I'll write. I'll be working on that? I'm adapting some things into films. I'll be doing that. I'm in directing some some short films. So every day I'll like leave work and then do that until dinner time. I really try to have. I usually bring the computer to bed at night, but I really try to stop working around six or seven o'clock and like eat a meal and be a person. <laughs> so my husband, before he just like fires me, um, <laughs> he's like, you're not doing your job, buddy. Um, so Does and he then, call you buddy? He, yeah. No, he doesn't call you buddy. Um you know he tells me a lot of stuff, not buddy. Um but we you know we've been together forever, so he's he's super supportive, which is great. But you know, I'll we'll do that. Like we'll stop and eat dinner from like seven and we'll watch a TV show until like oh like two hours off, like seven to nine. And then I'll bring my computer to bed and work again until like eleven. And then usually on Thursday I get on a plane. So it depends on what's happening, but like the last few weekends, like Archer has been on tour. We've been doing like live shows, so I'll get on a plane every Thursday and then do shows Friday, Saturday and come back on Sunday, or I'll Then, like, I'm hosting some things every weekend. Like, Whose Line Is It Anyway starts in April, so I'll be shooting that on weekends. So it's just, you know, every weekend it's something. Um, But then today I found myself, and I'm super easygoing, but I I realized that, like, I've hit unmanageability because someone was like, you know, I have a question. I was like, I can't answer any questions. <laughs> but I, re- and I felt badly. As someone who I work with closely, I really love this person. And she's like, well, can I I was like, I can't ever answer that question again. And you just have to find another way to get the answer. What,
1: what, kind of, what it was category a, was this question it was like, a, It
0: was like, I have a photo shoot. At, oh, sorry, everybody. Hollywood bullshit. I have a photo shoot. And, I, and she was asking me about my sizes. And I was like, you have to call somebody else. I the like, mm-hmm. answer to that. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I finally have an assistant. Took me over to hire one because I kind of don't like people and interacting with people. So... are oh, so the same. <laughs> right? I can't stop people. And managing people and worrying about whether people have enough to do. You yes. know, I just do everything myself, which makes me crazy. But it's easier than explaining things then, Yeah, to Than others. having to
1: explain to the person. Right. And, and then, by
0: that time, I could have just done the fucking thing. Yeah. You know, when you bring it back, it's not what I wanted. But I, I do have a really good
1: assistant who's been, you know, he's young, but he's, he's growing.
0: And... Now, do
1: you have him... Like, how... Um, in your life, is he? Is he he's, in your house? Is no, he in, he's not okay. in my house.
0: No. We, can't, we can barely let the cleaning lady in to clean. We just like, <laughs> let her clean, like the first, like just the air, the foyer. Um, no, he's not. But he's in my office and he's at, with me at work every day and he travels with me like 50% to 50% of the time. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm a super private person and I think that's important. I don't, you know, I, I think so, since I'm a stand up and I also talk about myself on the show, I don't need to have people up in my shit all the fucking time. It's not that interesting. And I feel like I want to have a, a normal life returning to the concept of having some normalcy and having it feel your art I don't want to I don't want to totally be like taken care of you know I want to do my own laundry and make my own meals so um so yeah but he like manages my schedule and interacts with people on my behalf which is great like you know up until like 6 months ago I was just still doing all my own travel arrangements which mm-hmm. is so stupid I mean it's, it it it's nice to be to want to remain grounded but it just it's like an hour out of the day that i could have used right. for something else you know and then
1: you and then it's like well are you being grounded or are you being a I'm um, control freak.
0: A control freak and also like rendering yourself totally ineffective. Like the things that I need to be effective at, I'm not because I was super effective at comparing, you know, flight prices to <laughs> New York City when I could just have told somebody find a, t- a price for this and blah.
1: That's and like a rabbit hole you can go down. Mm-hmm. I find that all the time. I've, I waste so much time trying to make tiny, stupid decisions with online purchases Ugh. because there's so many options of this and at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's like... It's seventeen dollars, probably yeah, at the end that we're totally. talking about. you know? Well, and you know, but that I think that
0: comes. Well, look, I'm sure there are people who are mired in that like swamp for the rest of their lives. But I do think as you get older, not as you get make more money, but just as you get older, you just realize like the seventeen dollars isn't worth the forty five minutes. And right. I'm getting better at that, and also making decisions about stuff like. This is what I like. Just get that. Don't look around. you like, I stay at the same hotel every time I go to New York. I eat the same fucking food. There was an article about the president in, the, in Vanity Fair like a few months, maybe, during the election, where a guy like embedded himself with the president. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an interesting mm-hmm. article. And he was – I remember that someone – maybe Chris Hardwick was telling me this. He was like, the president – he was saying, how do you make all – you have to make a million decisions a day. And like, how do you do it? And he, he said – I don't know if he said it was conscious. But I know it was unconscious for me. I said I just slowly whittle all of my choices down to a few. So like I wear the same suits. I have like 20 of the same suit. I wear the same suit every day. I wear the same shirt every day. I mean not the exact same You know what I'm talking about. I do. Yes. They um, do. Yeah. I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. So – and everything is ritualized so that only the biggest decisions are anomalies. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't realize this but I – because I was never like this as a young person. I had to have a different meal and a different experience every moment. I've got to <laughs> glide through human life, you know, experiencing <laughs> shit. And now I'm just I eat the same fucking thing every day. For what do you day. eat? Because I know people are gonna want to know. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Um. Let's see. Uh. It's super boring and, and, and if I was not me and listening to me, I would be like ridiculing me right now. So I apologize. I uh, have very but, nice uh, listeners. OK, good. Hi, hi nice listeners. Um, so I – depending on wh- – if I'm able to get up early and work out, sometimes I'll eat something right before my workout. So it will either <sighs> – sorry. It will either be a couple of spoonfuls of like organic peanut <laughs> Okay. Or or it'll be like a – like I bake a bunch of sweet potatoes like just to keep them in the fridge. So I'll mm-hmm. eat a sweet potato. There are these killer Japanese sweet potatoes that are purple on the inside and they're super delicious. Uh, so I'll eat that for carbs and then I'll work out. And then I get to, <laughs> I get to work. <laughs> I go eat s- steamed broccoli and avocado mm-hmm. with some hippie shit on top, like either some hemp seeds and or this seaweed stuff that's called um, – well, it's like wakame or uh, – I can't think of the other Japanese name for it. It'll come to me in a minute. But just seasoning. Not shirashi. I'll think of it in a minute. It's some And I. it's like salty but not too salty. Oh, God. So it's like Hollywood dish baggery. And then every day for lunch, I either eat a piece of salmon or a piece of chicken that's been grilled and avocado. Uh, and then in the afternoon, if I'm starving, I'll eat like a protein bar or I'll try to eat nothing until dinner. Uh, and then at dinner time <laughs> – so it sounds so empty. No it doesn't. <laughs> every day um I'll I'll have usually I have six, 5 days out of 7 I have a piece of fish and a huge salad like a kale salad and then I eat like my weight in chocolate. So like I, this is all working towards me eating like 400 right. calories worth of You're chocolate. Every yeah, chocolate. Like it just literally like I, spe- I we we have we have this drawer that's like a porn drawer and you open <laughs> it it's just like the chocolate equivalent of dildos just full of chocolate <laughs> and we eat like and we just eat. So that's my one thing. But I my whole but also I eat that way so that if I have a few like if I go to New York for a weekend I eat whatever the fuck I want Mm -hmm. at every meal of the day and I drink to excess and I have two desserts so I eat that way so that I can go nuts and not like throw myself it sounds so sad though it sounds like I'm an inmate it sounds like I'm an inmate at a vegan prison
1: well So terrible. I feel like probably there is that kind of prison somewhere for people who are convicted of super high-end white collar crime.
0: High-end white collar crime and they have high cholesterol yes. and they're like we're going to punish you in more ways than one. Right. Just this dry ass piece of chicken every day. We also have people cook on the daytime show on talk and and it's always some awesome thing. So like I just you know, we'll eat whatever. They, I'll, you know, I without. I mean, I believe in eating food. I'm not one of those people doesn't eat, and so, and I want to eat, and I want to create space for myself to eat. Fr- like, I will go and eat an entire order of French fries, and I'll look people in the eye while I'm doing it, and like chew with my mouth. open. I'm like, <laughs> I'm fucking eating this shit. It was fried, and I hope it was fried in duck fat or maybe human fat. I'm eating it. Right. So that that way of eating and just allows me to like mm-hmm. have fun without being too anxious about it.
1: But you were talking about your decision making process, mm-hmm. which is so interesting to me because that's been something that I've actually been talking quite a bit about on this show just i had this realization that i'm becoming paralyzed by tiny decisions mm. and this is a new thing for you new development it's it's like it's reached a crescendo it's uh, it's always been part of my personality mm-hmm. but it's suddenly this become exciting. something exciting
0: also, i'm really excited i'm excited
1: really yeah, I well, don't yeah because i feel exciting. like it's because
0: i feel like it's a, pr- a solvable problem
1: yeah right well so it's it's suddenly be it, it's it's like it's bothering. I actually had a conversation with a uh, with a guest recently who has OCD, and I was saying this is kind of OCD, and he's like, "No, that's just quirky because is it? How is it? You know, harming your is it life? It's debilitating you. Yeah, it's up. It's bothering me. Right. I don't think it's real. It's not like it's oh, you know, I could have had all these wonderful things in my life. Yeah, I could have had relationships. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not like that. You know, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. I am just really sick of it and frustrated by myself. And what people have said to me is you have to – don't make decisions from your head. It should be an emotional decision. Mm-hmm. Because sure. I I get into this thing of like, well – like, okay. Uh, yeah, let's have an example. And in the an way example. that you had – in the way that you had to make a disclaimer about like – um Hollywood douchebaggery yeah, yeah, or whatever. Totally. This is something that is going to sound like a complaint. I'm well aware it's not a problem. It's actually a wonderful thing. That's <laughs> a but nice problem to have. Yeah. I am recently engaged. Oh, that's awesome. And I thank you very much. I told my fiance that I wanted to be part of the the ring decision mm-hmm. because I'm kind of a control freak. Right, right, right. And you have to wear it every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I feel like that's fair. Yeah. Right. And so it, I was all of a sudden just so. Um, stymied by what do I want like right. I feel like other women out there somehow had this idea of what they want their whole life and I just never really well, that's did because they're and... empty
0: inside and that's all they think about and you have a life thank you're you. making shit and doing things thank you very so, like, much thinking about a fucking ring all the time come on
1: that makes me feel better because the wedding is a whole other thing that is a big uh-huh. giant question mark to me <laughs> planning a wedding is a nightmare
0: oh my god <laughs> so okay so so two th- so three things so in terms of general decision making there's been this evolution for me, which I, I, I I'm telling you was not conscious. It was just every day when I would when the, like I when I first started the show, like you talk? yeah. So like when I was doing scripted TV. You know, you'd go on a show. You'd be there seven days, eight days. You'd have a couple of days off. It would be so you, you kind of. I maybe I would eat something different every day. We get different catering, or there'd be different catering with the show. It's like it's really stable. I go to the same place every day. Like I don't have a trailer. I have a dressing room in a building with a flushing toilet. It's like a real life, and and it's doing well. The show's doing really well. So I feel like I'm going to be here for a while. So I just started to realize that like th- mulling over breakfast every day was a, <laughs> a utter waste of mental time. And I don't think I said just start eating the same thing. I just it just naturally happened. I just fucking ordered the same thing from me. I Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. So I feel like I've started to make those other decisions in other aspects of my life. And they're not major things, but I think that this can be done. Like anybody can do this, which is just to say what is critical and what is not critical. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty simple survey, because it's not like, you know, it's not like either there's a Bill Gates or, you know, running Google and have a million decisions to make, or are the president. So like, you know, it just it's not critical for me to have Well, I'm lucky because I go to a place where I get dressed – somebody else dresses me every day. Mm -hmm. So I don't – I just wear kind of the same five or six things every day to work because then I change clothes when I get to work and someone else makes that decision for me. Right. Um, When I travel, I just started to fly one airline and I only fly that airline unless they don't go where I'm going. And that's
1: just to simplify? That's just
0: to simplify. And then also I – and because of that simplification, I get better treatment on that airline. My life is easier, Mm -hmm. right? I made that decision because – Um, My credit card got me access to their lounge and I had to buy a membership. And I was like, great. I'm just going to stick with these guys. Same thing with hotels. I had a great experience at a hotel in New York. So instead of every time I went to New York, someone saying, I want to stay at this hotel. I was like, I'm just staying at this fucking hotel. I like it there. Like, I don't want to have to make this decision every fucking time. Yeah. So like this, I think even with shopping, like I stopped shopping actually just because shopping was too traumatic. I I,
1: want to stop. I hate shopping. I don't shop. The whole thing is makes me feel bad and it involves decisions exactly it deserves spending money It always yeah. you hating yourself it's
0: always you hating the world like i just stopped doing it and i only shop when absolutely necessary so if i have to shop for something then i'll jam a bunch of shopping into that one experience feel miserable for a couple of days and then move on so that was a good thing Cause it also keeps me from sending money i'm like i have
1: plenty of shit mm. when i need something really badly then i'll get it but i don't there are so many women though who in for fun they just go shopping i'm the opposite of that. that is a nightmare yeah for so my husband um
0: Something big happened for him. I can't remember what it was, but I wanted to get him like a a nice present. Maybe it was like during the holidays, and like we weren't traveling this year, and I was like, we had some time like to be people, (laughs) so we were like, let's do people and go to the mall, and um, and we'll both look for things. Oh, we were going to go to the inaugural ball, so he, he wanted to get new tux shoes. So I'm like, let's go get you some nice, you know. We've been making some money. Not like we're rich, but like you know, we had a nice. We had, like we for once in our lives, we're not like who's gonna pay the mortgage. <laughs> so I was like, let's go buy you a nice pair of shoes. You're a grown ass fucking man. Let's get you some real shoes. And we go to the mall, and we're gonna separate for an hour and shop, and then like come back together and like make like collaborative decisions together to like kind of put a point on that. Like we can't fuck around all day. We each <laughs> get an hour. I go up, I get into the dressing room and I, 17 minutes I I fucking hate shopping. I forgot how much I hate shopping. And he's like, me too. I fucking hate this place. And <laughs> was like, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. So I don't understand that whole thing of like going to a place where you feel like you're not tall enough, you're not skinny enough and you can't, you don't have any money. Yeah. Like I'm not, that's never, and then you get everything home and you're like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I could have saved for retirement. I could have, I could have bought a puppy or a baby panda bear with this money. Um, so those things, right? Eliminating all the things that stress you out. Eliminating things you don't like to do. Like I also just had to say to myself, and this is something that comes with adulthood, right? I'm not going to do that. That's that's and and I think we're trained as people but especially as women to be like sure okay, mm-hmm. okay it's fine and i'm just like yeah i don't want to do that are you talking about just jobby like, things or social job, things job, jobby things and social things and all the things like i really just feel like do i really want to get up and go to this place you know and if i don't i just don't do it unless i like, get there and uh, sometimes someone's like you want to do this thing and i go unless someone has a compelling reason for me to do this because I, I love to be pitched i love mm-hmm. people to say like you haven't thought about this clearly and i always want to hear why i'm wrong because i think that's like a really good way to stay like my sharp I'm just like yeah, I don't want to do that, and and but it's hard for me. Like I have a lot of people that pitch me their to do their shows, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you have this too. And if I know them and I know their show, and I want, but but like, and I want to do baby podcasters shows because I feel really grateful all the people that have come on my show. I, I have to. I want to pay that forward as much as possible, but I can't do like every guy's podcast. And I just had to start to say, "I'm sorry. I want to. I'm just too busy." But that was really hard because I was like, when I was a baby podcaster, people did my show. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
1: I know it. It is hard to uh, God. I am the worst. I don't even want to say this, but, it, but I'm say it worried. out loud. I'm the worst at just. Oh, I, I hate the reason I hate saying this is because I hate when people would do this to me back when I when I had this show in like an infancy form. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I just don't respond. Yeah, which <clears throat> I always felt like. Now it makes me realize that when people when people would do that to me, it wasn't what I thought, which is, oh, they think they're better than me or like, right, right. Like think the worst. we were like, oh, fuck her. Delete. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't deserve a response. Yeah. No, the reason I do it is because I'm like, oh, yeah, I should get to that. I don't know when I'm going to find the time. Or I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to do it. Like nine or, months. Yeah. Or it's like they're asking they want to do it over Skype and I'm not I don't do Skype very yeah. often. And yeah. so I just let it go, though. And that's like the worst. But it's it's always because I can't I haven't made a decision. Right. Right. And then – so then you can tier things. So like I try to
0: tier things and I – god, this is all of a sudden like Mac Power users. Like <laughs> I created these folders and like I throw things that are important in one folder. I throw things that aren't important in the other folder. Are and these I, online like, folders? Like on, like on my emails and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then um, – it, but I have made a rule. Ooh, this is from Sherry Lansing, former head of Paramount Studios. She always said she returned every single call within the, like by the end of a day or within 24 hours. That's almost impossible to do. But I do try to address everybody as fast as I can, which mm-hmm. they think I'm really responsive, but I'm just getting shit off my plate. Yeah. So like, if you write me and I look at you and I'm thinking, I can't do this till May, I'll either write back and say, I can't do it till May, or I'm sorry, I'm just too slammed. And I'll do it almost immediately. And that way, it's not stressing me out. Oh, They're good, not waiting. So good. They got a response. It wasn't what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. But a definitive n- no is better, sometimes better. But then if look, if it's somebody from the middle of nowhere who's like, I have a podcast about like, you know, movie credits, <laughs> I mean, they should they should expect in the way that I might expect not to get a response, yeah. And there's probably a level below which, I'm sorry, guy with the, the podcast about movie credits in the middle of the country. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, just you're not enti- you're not entitled to a response from anybody. You know what I mean? Right. You don't. And then I have an auto response that just goes, "I'm so grateful you wrote me, but I'm too fucking slammed to write you back." So then anything they get after that is a, is like a bonus. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I don't know. It sounds really self important. I feel badly. I, it just, no, it sounds like how someone who is busy stays sane. Right. Right. That's it, what I think. I think it's – I think that you want to be – I think it, it's. there's no point in being busy if you're not effective at what you're doing. Like it's great to be slammed. But if you aren't doing anything well because mm-hmm. you're so slammed, yeah. then there's no point in being that busy because eventually all that work's going to fall away because everyone's like, man, she really fucking laid it up there, didn't she? You
1: know what I mean? So yeah. you, you were talking about um – Oh no! We were talking about you being Rain. paralyzed by your decisions. Yes, and then but but there was something specific that you said that I oh yeah you were talking about uh, saying no to things mm-hmm. things that you don't want to do, mm-hmm. which is I feel like the sort of the crux of how I'm supposed to be making decisions is this is going to sound super hippy dippy, but here it comes. I love hippy dippy. Like, like pay attention to my energy and what does it brighten at versus like sort of <laughs> yeah. go dim yeah what what, what do I respond what am I respond what
0: do I respond to like what mm. am I excited about and yeah like be tuned into who you are right um, yeah I mean it's it's hard because it's like and I'm sure people think that sounds hippy dippy but I do feel like the great thing about being an adult it's like is. It, People think you become more burdened and in some ways you do, but in some ways you just become freer freer to say what you think, freer mm-hmm. to not care about the consequences or to understand what consequences will occur freer to to not feel so obligated to others you know you just get freer, you know yourself yeah. better, you know what you do brighten to
1: mm-hmm. you know what
0: I mean and um there's something really, you know. There's, there's. Some, I mean, I think a lot of people have said this. I've said this in my act. I feel like Juana Sykes had a thing about just you just stop giving a fuck. And that doesn't mean you get like a It just means you're like, I can't please everyone. I realize that now. I have to please myself. I'll be better at what I do if I really focus on pleasing myself. I'm also talking about masturbation here, in case anybody's wondering. And um, the, the more i the more I'm tuned into what makes me happy the more the better i'll be at what i'm doing I'll just, mm-hmm. if i'm happy i'll be i'll be good you know
1: do you find as you've gotten older that your values change because i know when i was young um i always valued kindness compassion niceness which are things that i still really value but i think that i put niceness i.e. people who were nice to me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know on top of everything whereas now i really admire people who can be direct people who can be honest in a diplomatic way. Mm, whereas mm-hmm. back then, I just valued just niceness. Right. Because I, th- I think I was when so you're, sensitive. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Probably you value directness because you can take it better now. Yeah. Like, I really solicit directness. I always mm-hmm. have. For different reasons. When I was younger, I solicited it because I didn't believe when people were nice, I believe they were lying.
1: Oh, interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm.
0: especially in this business, I was like, you're just not telling me the truth. Like, this is why this isn't happening. This is why this is happening. And you're just saying, oh, it's something else. Just fucking tell me, you know? Right. So there was like some self doubt in that before. But now it's like, I'm a businesswoman and I run a business and I don't need to be made love to. I have a husband for that. (laughs) What I need is for you to tell me what the deal is so we can get shit done. So, yes, I do think that those values have changed. But I also still try in my own profession professional life to be as nice and as respectful as possible i'm like a big please and thank you person still and um you know like because i've been on a lot of really um like poisonous sets where there was one or two people that were really evil and they they affect the tempo of the whole place and i think
1: are are they uh, i don't know if this is even an answerable question but i'm just curious usually these poisonous personalities are they talent or are they sometimes they're talent and sometimes they're not i mean mm-hmm. i've been on
0: I've been on shows where that poisonous person was like a writer or you know a producer, and I've been on shows where it was talent and I am highly intolerant of that behavior because I feel like uh a why the fuck should that ever be acceptable? Mm-hmm. Keep your shit at home? No one's interested in your problems and b I think that you don't have everybody doesn't have to hug it out all day long. But there's two distinct approaches to comedy specifically, and one is like you make everybody scared and they're funny, and one is you make everybody safe and they're funny. And I just believe in in, in safety being funnier because I feel like when everyone's scared, everyone's super protective of their material. They're mm-hmm. less likely to pitch because they're afraid of being shot down. And if it's a competitive environment, no one ever laughs at anybody else's jokes because they don't want to undermine themselves. But if everybody feels safe, like essentially every idea is worth hearing. The best ideas still rise to the top, but people just pitch; they go crazy. Like no bad, no idea is a bad idea, Mm. and you always get the best things. And also, you have guys going like a win for any of us is a win for the team, and we all like I I don't win if my team doesn't win. You know what I mean? So I just believe that like a workplace that's great to be at, people will put more energy into being there and to into doing their best work.
1: Um, This the the version of people feel safe. Do you feel like that is not secure, not like I'm not going to get fired if I
0: fuck up. Just right. like I'm not going to be made to feel like an idiot mm-hmm. if I pitch something that seems wild at
1: the time, you know. Do you f- feel like that's a more female approach or is the other one a more male approach? Stereotypically maybe. Sure, sure.
0: I mean, I- I've been in a lot of male-led environments that were safe places for comedy. Um and I've, you know, met some really unsafe women, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and also I've met some women who like don't trust other women and aren't mm-hmm. kind to other women. Um, I'm super psyched that I'm in a place where it's like the nicest place. I, I it was really funny because when I started the talk, I remember being in a room once and looking around I'm like, this is the most women I've ever worked with at one time because <laughs> I'm always it's usually always me and like all dudes are one other woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it and it, it's and I think people really want to assume that a place like that would be like Catty. crazy and competitive. And it's like the nicest, most supportive, most easygoing. Like everyone's like, how's your life going? That's fucking awesome. Let me tell you what happened to me this weekend. And it's everybody's just free to be themselves, which is great. So. I think it's I think traditionally we think of it that way, but i that hasn 't been my experience over time. I just think it 's personality driven I just think people come out of out, where wherever they come from broken they just stay broken you know mm-hmm. um, but i mean i, I 'm not going to people can deduce however they like, but I' just worked on a show once where it just was such a fucked up place to work, and everybody No, none of the people trusted each other. No one, you know, people wouldn't even pitch their best jokes, or they'd wait to see how people reacted before they would pitch. And then when someone else would pitch, they would like, you know, never ever like kind of give it any eh, whatever, you know. And and it was one person who was just a nut, and I was like, I we got that person went away, and I said, this is a place where we want to make great TV, and everybody should when we close that door, everybody should fucking take their pants off every single day and go bananas and never worry that someone's going to make fun of you or the size of your deck unless it's really small and then it's all hands on deck. But, um, <laughs> you know, so it's like we've got a limit. But you know what I mean? It's like you have to feel free and safe. Mm-hmm. To, and, and, and even on my podcast, I mean, one thing I've really tried to do with my guests, because you know how intimate this format is, yeah. you know? And, you know, I have this... I'm uh, sitting in your lap
1: for people she, don't know. We are
0: making out right. and they're going to cut all that out at the end of the show. Um, but that, like... For, on my show, we have this thing at the end of the show called "Self Inflicted Wounds," where people talk about like something in their lives that's gone terribly wrong that's their own fault, and it's usually a hilarious story about how they got drunk and like wrecked a car, fell down some stairs, or you know, took off their shirt in a public place. <laughs> but occasionally, it's really intense. Like Michael K. Williams told it from the Wire, played Omar on the Wire, and he's on Border uh, Empire. Told a story about you know his drug addiction and relapsing while he was on the wire, and. and how his character got sick. His character got sicker as he got sicker, and you could see it when you watched the show. And W. Kamau Bell um, was just on a little while ago, and he talked about the fact that he has an online porn addiction. And uh, the minute he and I knew he felt nervous saying it because it's a fuck. And he said, "And I've never told anybody this before. I've never said this to anyone, not even my wife." Wow. Yeah. And I said, "I need you to feel super safe about saying that here." Like he said it. And I was like, I, if, "I'll take it out if you need me to, but I want you to know, like, I'm not here to make you feel badly about who you are." And I just feel like people are bolder when they're bolder and more interesting when they're not like what's going to happen? Yeah. You know? So mm. I don't know. That was a really roundabout way of No,
1: about, I love you know. that though. I was actually, I almost tweeted something uh, like around New Year's and then I was like, I did, this is, this feels doesn't feel like a tweet. It's actually a deleted tweet which used to be a segment on my show. Ooh. Do we still have that song? Ooh. We haven't done this in a really long time. I'm excited. Feel happy.
0: By the way, your show is way more produced I than. Mine. We have a <laughs> Thank <tweet>. you, Gary. <laughs>
1: Not so sweet. Maybe that is Think I'll be the quick i quick I Wow. Yeah. Really produced. Thanks. <laughs> Lovely. Um, but I don't remember the exact wording of the tweet. It was just something like my goal as an interviewer is to, you know, get We'll see. Now, despite the song, I don't remember. This is not at all 140 characters. So I'm going to move away from trying to put it in tweet form and just 140 characters say it. And sentiment anyway. Yeah, yes. exactly. I'm just going to say what it was, which is... So I, I my background is print journalism mm-hmm. and interviewing. That's why you're such and, a good interviewer. Yeah, oh, you're great. Well, thank you. Yeah, seamless um, and, yes, and effortless. <laughs> uh, but I really you know, I think I have a, a pretty good ability to get people to open up and mm-hmm. share things. But now that I do a lot of other podcasts, and I've been on the other end of people getting me to open up, mm-hmm. um, I realize that when I reveal things that I didn't want to reveal, it does not feel good. I don't walk away being like, you don't feel like you. a really don't feel relief. So it depends, right? It depends how they do it. So I realized that I want people to reveal things, but I want them to feel really good about what they like what you're saying, yes. good about what they revealed. Yes. I don't want to feel someone to feel duped or tricked yeah, like into they got opening caught. Up. Yes. Yeah. Like they got pounced on. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I say when I do my show, I mean I'm not a journalist. I'm you know hopefully I'm a peer with the people that I'm speaking to. And I But you always get people to open up and feel comfortable. I mean
1: you are really good at getting a great report. I
0: try. I mean part of it is I think I I'm I'm willing to say anything about myself and they realize I'm not guarded. But and I don't even always say this disclaimer before every show. Sometimes I'll say it at the end if it was imp- especially intense. But I just go like, I'm not here to get you. Mm-hmm. So like, if there's you know, if there's something you don't, if there's something you said you don't want out there, like I'm not. Wh- why the fuck would I do that to you? Why the fuck that? Yeah, you that's know, not my gig. I'm not TMZ. Right? We're here to have a conversation. I've actually never had anybody ask me to cut anything out of the show. Really? And uh, but and, yeah, and I will tell you that out of the now 107 shows I've done, um, I have never had to cut anything out. And every single episode, I would say, out of one hundred and seven hundred people, one hundred episodes, people have said, "I've never said this before. I've never told anybody this before." But I feel like the long-form podcast format also encourages that because you run out of pat answers pretty quickly. Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: yeah. Well, with print journalism, I just remembered a number of times having conversations with editors where I'd be like, "You know, they the source or whatever the mm-hmm. interviewee d- doesn't want this in," and, and they're the, like, "Too bad." Yeah, I mean, the editor's impulse is pretty much always too bad. Yeah. And so that was I had I had it in my head that that's kind of how this works and then I had to realize no with podcasting it's 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 different than – it's just an entirely different yeah. thing and it's more about the relationship with the person yes. and it's about them having a good experience. And plus I'm not – this isn't like 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You know? We're not here I'm to like – I'm your best friend. Yeah.
0: You're like your best friend who took all your shit right. and put it in the street. Right. It's on yeah. Alison Rosen's your worst enemy. Exactly. Alison <laughs> Rosen. I've revealed my sources. Um, yeah. No, I think it is, it is a very – and also, I mean, the unique thing about the podcast verse – hardwickism – is that um, – you're hoping some of these people will come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you don't want to shit where you ate. And um but like I said, I've never had anybody I had one person who expressed some discomfort with something, and I just said, I listen to it, I think you come off great. If you uh, the show'sn't going up for three weeks, think about it and then write me again, and then mm-hmm. I'll take it out. And then he thought about it. He's like, it's fine.
1: What what made you decide to start podcasting? A few things. One
0: was I used to love radio when I was a stand up like I used to really let and you don't do this kind of radio anymore. But when I was a baby stand up a two decades ago, <laughs> um, at least in San Francisco, there were a couple of morning shows that and there was one Alex Bennett was like kind of one of the precursors to Howard Stern, who um, would just have comedians in for four hours. And you just go into the studio and sit for four hours and just talk shit. And it was this great opportunity to try to be funny. You couldn't do your material. You weren't allowed to do your material. You just had to be funny on the spot about whatever was happening. It was like this great workout. And then um, like I, when Adam moved to podcasting, I was one of the first guests he had on his show. And then I th- might have done, done The Nerdist or I was listening to it and I was like, I might have done it. And I was like, God, this is so much fun. And at the time, I was kind of between projects, quite honestly. And I thought, I just want to make something that's Mm -hmm. mine, that I don't have to ask anybody for or pitch to anyone or get them to approve it. And I just thought, I'll try it. I mean, I wasn't like, I'm going to make a million dollars. I was like, I'm just going to try this thing and see how I like it. And I recorded a bunch of shows at Comic-Con two years ago. And they were just it was just so great. And what I realized was it was an opportunity for me to learn a lot from other people, to meet people I was dying to meet. And it evolved into something very different than what I set out to make, because it's much less like radio esque and more just like unstructured conversation. But I took six weeks off last summer to write my book, and I thought it was a relief when I did that. I was like, "Oh God, thank God I don't have to get the show posted this week," because it's always stressful. But then when I came back, I was like,
1: "Oh my God, I fucking forgot when I love me <laughs> like, know." I
0: couldn't. I, mean, I was talking like a thousand miles an hour. Uh-huh. Um, so. It's it's interesting because I really love making the show, but I don't have like this my I don't have a business model built around my podcast. It's for me, it's a like a, a piece of fan art. It's a it's a gift. Like mm-hmm. I make it every week from my listeners. I love making it. You know, I know there are a lot of guys who are really thinking about it as like you know like a revenue generating you know opportunity. I have advertisers on my show, but I only take the ones I want. I don't care about the ones I don't want. I am lucky that I have other jobs that like allow me to make the show without worrying about whether it generates revenue and i want it to just be like a pure expression of who i am so um i've really resisted changing it in any way but i will say and i don't know if you've noticed this about your show but i just wanted to make this little show i was like I'll make a little show where i get to curse a lot you know and then um <laughs> and i you know i did end of last year i like was my first christmas my second christmas uh, i did um I did like an all – no, it was my second Christmas. I did like an all-listener show. Mm -hmm. So uh, everybody wrote in questions all fall and then I curated them and I just answered them. It was just me talking. And, you know, like like your show tells what it's like to kiss, you know, Joey and Ross and blah, you know, (laughs) a bunch of shit. (laughs) You're adorable people. But then, you know, I had a guy who was like my mom died of cancer last year and the two things that we bonded over were – like playing video games and listening to your podcast and like mm. we listened to your show like a couple days before she died I, mean, I was crying hysterically you don't realize i
1: know how the impact you know, yeah yeah
0: what what you know what making this thing can do for other people and i don't go around thinking that every day i'm still just making a silly little show where i curse a lot but i'm super grateful i'm if it has any impact on people yeah. whatsoever and, and that keeps
1: me doing it too and when yeah it that makes whenever i I hear that I this show helps someone through something rough, it just mm-hmm. makes me feel so good I think because for me, it's like well, because I, I remember the things that helped me mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just to think that that you are that thing that is in that person's head and sort of give you know right instructing them or or making them feel less alone or yeah whatever. making them
0: feel less alone, making them feel connected to something bigger, you know um my show circles a lot you were talking about my book um my show circles a lot around the idea of of being audacious and, 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 Being fearless and and how people get to where they are in their Mm -hmm. lives. Because it's not just about comedy or or even artists. Like, I interview a lot of, well, musicians, but also like athletes and stuff like that. And it's really about like being bold and like, you know, finding out how people get to where they are. You're talking about your book, my my podcast is about that. Okay. And then the book, Self Inflicted Wounds, kind of distills like the concept. Like, so everyone every week tells a self inflicted wound Mm -hmm. story. And then I decided it was kind of unfair for people to come and humiliate themselves every week. So my book is all of my own, like, collected from when I was a kid. But like, the underlying premise is like, We were talking about this I think earlier just now. Like people saying I don't want to try that because I might fail. And like the book is essentially like, yeah, you probably are going to fail and you're going to fail like a million times and Mm -hmm. that should never be a deterrent because you cannot get where you want to go if you don't – not just not fear failure or not not just even recover from failure but like run headlong, face first without a helmet into fail. Like you need to be like, fuck this. Let's go. I'm Mm -hmm. about to catch on fire. Who's with me? (laughs) You know, because it – you never learn from winning. You never you never get off stage after you've killed and be like, oh, I've really grown as an artist. You're like, I'm a fucking awesome. I'm a king of the world. You know, it's when you fail that you're like, I need to get my shit together. Yeah. And so, the show, I feel like when people listen, if they're they have an insurmountable problem in their lives or what looks insurmountable, and they hear all these ostensibly successful people talking about all the terrible things that have happened in their lives, it just reframes their battle for them. And it doesn't have to be huge. You know, it can be little, but a lot of times people just think, I can't get around this thing. And then they hear people talk about terrible circumstances and, you know, some huge, some little, and it just reframes their own battle, you know, which hopefully anyway, I don't know, or they just listen to mm-hmm. the lady from the talk Curse lot. <laughs> uh, do your talk co-hosts listen do you think i don't think they do no um but not for lack of support i think every single one of them is as busy as i am Mm -hmm. and uh, one nice thing is everyone's super supportive of each other but they're like i don't think one person on my show has like us like a smidge of free time you know like I mean, Sharon Osborne is... Sharon is... Everyone, like, literally, we spend this, like, really intense five hours together every day and then everybody, like, flees to get, like, their other thousand things done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, actually, when we... We did a week of shows for the Super Bowl and it was amazing because we were kind of, like, trapped in a city. It wasn't New York. In New York, everybody has shit going on, but, like, it was in a city no one really knew that well. And it was, like, summer camp. Like, we were together all day. We had dinner every night. Like, it was super intimate. We were, like, talking, you know, telling stories and drinking together. Um, but typically, everybody just kind of scurries like you know roaches when the lights come on because they have so much going on um, and a podcast is a commitment you know I mean and I yeah. don't cut my show down I mean it's just I just did one with Stephen Young from um, from The Walking Dead it's like two hours I'm like whatever the show was is what it was I don't you know unless someone's phone rang during it it's just mm. as Bill Burr would say I just I post the show and whatever that gets me
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, now here's a question that you probably get all the time but at the beginning were you intending to only interview guys no, I never was only intending to interview
0: guys, okay. you know, the people. The show is called Girl on Guy, and it wasn't necessarily that it was only going to be with guys, but it was a show. Originally, the, we ha- had an idea for a TV show that was similar that was going to be like, you know, like a, stuff about guy, stuff that guys love, but brought to you from like a, a woman's perspective, but like a woman who wasn't like oh my god, boy stuff, but a woman who was like <laughs> a girl who you could be you could be drinking and playing poker with, and. um we had some really good conversations about it, like with TV networks. So no one kind of got it, you know? And I what was like.
1: part did they not get? Do you think? Oh,
0: all of it. You know, they're like, oh, guys, and what? She's like, guys, girl. They just didn't, you know, whatever. They're idiots abound. Um, but that was fine. You know what I mean? Because I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, and I was just like, I think this is a great idea because this is stuff I care about. You know, it's not like I'm like, I want to do a show about stuff that guys like, let's figure out what that is. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to talk do a show where I talk about video games and, and action movies and drinking. And. And I, you know, I was raised by a single dad and my oldest, like two two of my best friends are men in addition to my husband, like my oldest friend, I was his best man at his wedding. He was in my wedding. Like I just, and I'm a stand up. Like I'm usually always Dude. only with guys and I just really like male company, which sounds super hoary, but um, <laughs> I just do. I just like being around men. I have a lot of really good girlfriends, I re- like really close girlfriends, mm-hmm. but I just like being around guys. I always have. I've just been a guy's girl. I was just a tomboy and it's just who I am and- I wanted to embrace that stuff, mm-hmm. and um, so I definitely bring women on, and and I and I, but I also felt like it was an un. It's funny because some people say, "Well, men get plenty of opportunity to promote their stuff," and I'm sure that's a, a valid argument. But I don't. There's no show like mine, right? You know, and I and I just wanted to do something that wasn't like I'm going to carve a niche. I was like, "What am I into? I'm going to make a show about what I'm into." And luckily for me, it doesn't really seem like a lot of other people are like this. Um, but I have – and it, I have a really high male listenership. But I have a lot of women that listen, too, which is nice because mm-hmm. I have a lot of women like, thank God somebody's talking about stuff I'm interested in. I don't have to feel badly about the, fight, the fact that I'm a gamer or hide it or be embarrassed.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, when do you have time to play video games? I've been thinking oh. a lot about video games lately because my fiance is very like all about Bioshock Infinite right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Everybody's super into that. Yeah. A, I, I did a voice of that, actually. But oh, really? I still, yeah. I, I, the Who, last Which two, one? Um, well,
0: the black is this- one. <laughs> is there like, I think there's like a, like a she's late in the game
1: oh wait is she she's like the revolutionary the yeah, oh yeah oh yeah. wait are you
0: daisy fitzroy that seems right that seems like her name isn't that awful that i don't even know daisy fitzroy they she's, like, her lead the and she's like the leader of the vox Popular. Oh, yes yes vox Popular. oh my god yeah, that's, that's
1: so cool i've been hearing your voice at our house well it's funny
0: because i did it a long time ago and i was like maybe it's not gonna make it in the game and then someone wrote on there are you in this game and i was like i guess i am i haven't played it yet um i so clearly i don't have any time to game <laughs> um i used to have a lot more free time and I used to play pretty regularly, like in place of what other people would do. So I, w- instead of watching TV, I would game. We, mm-hmm. Like my husband and I play together, so we would play like a few hours at night. Um, the last two games, I was like, I was in, you know, ge- gears, and it took me forever to play gears. And it's sad. I'm, I'm a, I have a sad, sad life, but. um <laughs> So I haven't done any console gaming in a long time, which is really depressing. But the last video game I played was the Walking Dead game, the downloadable, the module game for the iPad, and I would play that in bed, and that was really super enjoyable. And you know, that one video game of one video game of the year at the VGAs, and and um, it was to- it's like I remember being I like, this is stupid. Tapping your iPad is ridiculous, <laughs> and it's so immersive. I like, and I remember I was like, oh, I'm about to play this game. I'm super into The Walking Dead generally. And everyone's like, get ready to cry. He's like, I don't fucking cry at video games. And I was like hysterical crying. Although I did also cry during The Last years of War. A, a very critical character dies during that game. I'm not going to tell you who, but I, like, we had to stop the game for five minutes.
1: <laughs> See, I don't really play video games, but I feel like I want to play more of them because for all the reasons that people have a problem with video games, I need more things that'll like I need more things in my life that'll take me away from fretting about other things. Yes. You know, I feel like it's yes. like a good thing to sort of occupy my mind and mm-hmm. like give just a little brain shower. Yeah. And
0: I feel like if you play a great, I mean, it depends. I only—I really only play kind of like, I really love shooters. So I play shooters and and that's a way for me to limit the number of games I really will get. Like if I just say I'm only going to play this category, then it's not as, again, as wide open in terms of my decision making. <laughs> right? And I just like, I don't play games where you drive a car and that's fine. That gets that off the table. Yeah. But, it was it's cool because I love doing it with my husband. We like playing together. We play cooperatively. So like if we're playing a combat game, we're like you know getting each other's back, and covering each other. Is that the other. split screen
1: thing? Yeah, because Daniel yeah. has tried to play that with me, and because I'm such a, a newbie to all of it, it's can't, like, like I don't even know where he is, and he's shooting everyone, and I'm just like hanging out. W- yeah, <laughs> I'm like, wait, which one controls There's my body? There's some games where
0: you can't do split screen, and then like we'll try like for Fallout, you couldn't. We would just pass the t- controller back and forth, which was fine. Um, if you can get it right, it's great because then we're like, OK, I'm going to fire this guy and then you push the car and then I'll cover you. Um, but there's a point to all of this and it was something about if you play a really filmic game, mm-hmm. it is really immersive and you do forget about other things. Yeah. And of course, someone could say it's silly, but I don't think it's any sillier than reading a book or watching a movie. Right. It's just an opportunity to forget about what you're worried about. And it is something you can do with someone else that's more active than just watching a film. Um so I mean I, I I love that and I wish that I had more time to do it. But I really what happens is we'll binge play like over the Christmas holidays we've played a bunch of games, but like I haven't played since mm-hmm. then. It's kinda sad.
1: What does your husband do?
0: He's a lawyer. Yeah. But he also he's he he's he he <laughs> he was a litigator for a long time and he's he's like an entertainment lawyer but he doesn't really work in the business but he also runs my company for me which is great
1: mm-hmm. and you guys met at Dartmouth is mm-hmm. that right so you've been together
0: since we were like 19 years old wow like
1: what the fuck I'm always uh, so interested in people who meet the, the person that is the right person for them at a young age and are able to recognize it? At oh, a young I don't age? even know. I mean, I, we kind of
0: recognized it. I don't know. I I will just tell you right. I was not like a big like marrying person. So just you know, it was. I I didn't think I'd get married till I was like maybe in my forties or something mm-hmm. like that. I Was gonna I'm gonna make my fortune and then I'll take a lover. But um, <laughs> I just happened to be the right guy who who is super sweet, like good person, and. um and then, like I remember, broke up with him for a while, and then I just realized like I couldn't be without him. But y- yeah, I mean, I'm not a traditionalist, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I have a very, I'm, I have a very traditional life because I got married to the guy I met when I was 19 years old. But I'm not a traditionalist at all. I just lucked out, mm-hmm. and I think, I think that generally, if someone asked me if they should marry the person they was, had been dating at 19, I would say no because I think marriage is very hard, and I think you should know yourself a little bit before you do it. Um, and I think that most people change a lot in their adult life and if they don't have someone who's super supportive and flexible it's inevitable that they'll grow apart i like i i think that it's very very hard to like stay on the same plane with the same person your whole life and then most people bail when it gets weird and usually if you stick around after that, it gets better. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are like, oh, it's getting weird. Must be fucked up. Must have been a bad <laughs> idea. You know, yeah. But you yeah. just have to kind of like hang. You have to hang in there for all that stuff. Also, <laughs> um, I don't have kids. <laughs> That's why. That's another reason why I'm super happy in my marriage is because we don't have children. I'm not saying kids ruin a marriage, but um, they can. Mm. And I have a lot of friends who have kids and, and they're like, yeah, we used to have sex. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Did you ever think you wanted kids? Do you still? Yeah, want I did. To no, I don't no. know. No, but I did. Yeah, I thought I wanted kids. Or like, like conceptually, conceptually, I thought I wanted children. I was like, <laughs> that seems nice, little thing, all wiggly. Um, but I never. It was never intense enough, mm-hmm. like the feeling for me to like pull the trigger. And also, um, I. Sorry, I'm sure that people will be offended by this but there's just too many people here already so in case unless you really feel like you have to make a new one like if it's so compelling you can't resist it there's, mm. there's no reason to make another person the earth is crawling with human beings, is lousy with people there's a million of them they way more than a million a lot of millions <laughs> of them so many 700, 70 hundred million 70 hundred million of them and um 11 million of them and there's and So to just make – just to kind of cavalierly make a person without really considering it I think is irresponsible. Mm -hmm. So if I had had like that clock thing like going bananas, that's one thing. But if I'm just like, yeah, kid, could kind of be cool. That's not a, that's not a good enough reason to have kids. It's also not a good enough reason that you're bored right. or that your people your parents expected of you or uh, that you're trying to get revenge on someone or that you're trying to keep someone in the house. Like oh, do those, you think those people are,
1: have grudge babies. Oh,
0: grudge babies. Grudge babies against exes, yeah. grudge babies on the new one, money babies. I'm going to get your money from you mm-hmm. or if I have a baby maybe you won't leave me. Right. All that shit. Those are not good reasons to make new people who are going to resent you for the rest of their
1: lives. Yeah, and so. have a ripple effect. On, on, every, yes, on everyone, everyone around them, and then for generations to come. So you said that marriage is hard, and now this is a totally. Um, I'm asking this for selfish reasons. In what way is it difficult as compared to just living with the person? Um, well, it's final, isn't it?
0: <laughs> living with someone, there's always the idea that you can like pull the pull the escape hatch. And of course, I guess yeah. you can do that in marriage too, but mm-hmm. it's, a, a divorce is so much more daunting than just I'm yeah. taking my shit and getting out, right? Um, I love being married. I really do, um, and and I've been really lucky, like to marry someone who's just rad. But you know, just the big thing with marriage is you can't bail. You just can't mm-hmm. bail, and and a lot of times you want to bail. You know? I mean that's just that's just human. That's not anything to do with the quality of your your marriage. Right. So sometimes you're like, man, I'd fucking love it if I was doing some different shit right now. <laughs> Cause that's just like the human mind, right? Like you can't eat, you know, I try, but you know, to eat chicken every day, but occasionally you want a steak. Mm-hmm. And um and you have to I feel like people don't look at it properly. Like I really feel like your marriage should be the one place where you can like be fully human and that means like flawed and a mess and Slob, and I and I, you should try to save your best behavior for your spouse, absolutely. Like, we're really good at like, we're super super-pleasy and thank you. It's really gross, actually. <laughs> like, thanks for doing everything, you're so great, thanks for being you. But, um, you know, you need to feel you need to make the other person feel safe about being like a mess, and sometimes. People aren't prepared for that. They're not prepared for the time in their, you know, when you marry someone, when you're 20 and they're hot and you're hot and everything's hot. You're not prepared for the fact when they're 45 and they're overweight, or when they develop a you know drinking problem, or when they shit blows up with their family and they can't handle it. And people just aren't ready. F- they don't want to let. They're not prepared to let their spouse be human. And um, I mean, like to me, it's like like a Buddhist practice. It's like about acceptance and about like accepting every part of the person, not just the parts that you think mm-hmm. are perfect, but all the parts that you hate. And I just think most people, human beings are just it's hard for them to do, you know, mm-hmm. and also just the human animal wants change, you know what I mean? just wants change, I think that's just who we are, and people always want to make it be about like they're they're dirty people, they're bad people that's just marriage is just unnatural, it's an unnatural state, and so you're trying to live your life in a way that like you know you're not just like trying to live underwater it's like trying to be a fish mm-hmm. so it's i think it's a really noble endeavor but i I think way fewer people should get married like it's so funny like people fewer people should get divorced i'm like fewer people should get married yeah and you should really yeah. fucking think about it before you do it don't just do it because you're like stoked about a party that's a way you're like oh or i have had friends guys oh, it just seems like i should do it now what <laughs> yeah it's oh come it's so on. romantic dumb dumb yeah well i'm not gonna do any better you know i right. mean all of that is just like not a reason but that was very long-winded as I have been all day. And not. what I will say is I think it's the, one of the most noble endeavors. And I'm, I'm not a religious person. I mean I'm just saying like a, just about loving somebody completely. is like a really hard thing to do mm-hmm. and it's, it changes you as much as it changes the other person. And it's like good. It's like really good. And like I love my marriage way more now than I did when I was like a baby. You know when you're like – the honeymoon phase is like fun. But it's, it's not – it's nothing compared to like when you're like, man, we've been through some shit – like you know, we've been in the foxhole, you know, look at all
1: those scars, I almost shot you, you know,
0: like that's right,
1: yeah, just I love, I love that part of it. I think what I thought love was when I was i don't know in my teens versus now that just like I was saying, my values have changed, that has changed so much, too. I was actually just remembering that I went through a long or maybe not no, yeah like a a long phase of my life where I felt like. There are people that I feel comfortable around and then there are people that I am attracted to mm. and when will it ever be the same person Totally.
0: Totally. Yes, that's hard, right?
1: Yeah. I mean I, I mean thank God this the the man I'm with now it was just somehow what I felt was something I had never felt before and it was like some combination and it was just different and it was right and but I, I for the longest time thought I'll never. I'm just I'm too broken inside. Like I'll never get this to go. So right. I choose one or something. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. And I think I think that's normal. I think most people. Like I remember. I, I
0: remember a point where I was like, How do people fall in love? How? Yes. You, how do you even ever like the same person at the same time who likes you? That like that in and of itself seems mathematically impossible. Right. 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 Um. Yeah. I mean, that's just like that's just real. And I, I don't know. I mean. Like I've had people that I was like super attracted to who were like dicks, you right? And mm-hmm. the people that I really like being around who I wasn't attracted to. And I think the thing about my husband was I just I remember just like liking everything like, just liking him so much, right? <laughs> and I wasn't even like we were, I was dating somebody else at the time and I was like, God, I just like him. I just like him and my friend's like, You totally are like in him. I was like, No, I just like him so much. He's so nice and so funny. <laughs> I just like him so hard, you know? Um <laughs> And the sexual th- stuff kind of came like second, and I was attracted to him, but I just remember being like so drawn to him, yeah,
1: yeah, that yeah. yeah, with the anyway, I felt it, it was like a like a i just feel like like a magnet like mm-hmm. a magnetic pole, but it wasn't that sort of um drunken hookup oh my god i just want to right tear your clothes off thing it was a d- an entirely different right. like i think that drunken hookup stuff doesn't last yeah oh it, no uh, yeah i mean it's impossible i
0: i'd love to hear about the number of people who had a drunken hookup and they're still married like right. 35 years later unless they cranked out a baby and got sucked in but yeah drunken hook, drunk hookup stuff is fun super fun mm-hmm. the great thing is if you're really drawn to something the thing is the drunken hookup doesn't last so it's like i mean like like literally like literally doesn't last in terms of like your lifetime but like Literally doesn't last in terms of the fact that you still have to wake up the next morning and be like, you know, um, could you turn the fan on in the bathroom after you go in there? That, you know what I mean? Like, that's just real shit. You got <laughs> to right. through. Right. So, if you don't really like being around the person, mm-hmm. I mean, that's critical. Like, c- critical that you just like this person, like, all day long and not just, like, a little bit at, like, a certain time of the day. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's really awesome, but I just, I don't, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for, marriage is not for pussies.
1: Now, do you think, well, he is – he did work in entertainment law, so that is – no. I mean, he's not, he's not really in my business. He's not really in the business Right? In that is way, that yeah. uh, difficult for him to be with someone who is in this industry? You'd have to ask him.
0: But I will say that we were together before I was in this business. And so all of my triumphs have been his triumphs. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's super invested in my winning. And right. I don't mean like literally, although I'm sure he is literally. But figuratively, it's like – He's just always been there. Just been like, yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. And every time I win, we win. You know what I mean? And and I think I it's also my job to make him feel super secure. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean that's 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 you know it's if someone's crazy jealous, that's one thing. But like you know, it's it's a, it's a part of the gig to help the other person understand that you're not going anywhere. You know, and it's hard, especially hard in this business when you're around like super attractive people all the time um, to be like, don't worry. Don't, you know, I'm not, I'm always going to come home. You know, I think that's, that's just a part of the gig of being married, not male or female, not wife or husband, just like, don't flip out, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he was like, you know, got me my first comedy notebook, came to all my shows, came to all my shows for years. When he eventually asked not to come, I was like, I can't believe you made it this long. (laughs) I mean, I would have tapped out years ago, but he, you know, would come to my shows and give me notes and yeah, just, just, you know, like just, he was for a long time, he was like a coach, you know what I mean? And, and that invested in what I was doing, Mm -hmm. um, but you know he's fucking awesome, so uh whatever poor, whatever bad qualities he has have been totally outshone by all the awesome ones and And then, you know, um mama brings home the bacon, so there's that <laughs> <laughs>
1: how How did you guys meet at Dartmouth? Did you have a class together? Oh, I was or to eating his best friend?
0: Oh, hello
1: <laughs>
0: yes. yeah, which you know was neither here nor there. Um, we just got to be super good friends kind of, mm. in, in that, you know, and then I realized I really liked him.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I think it is time to do some Just Me or Everyone. Get ready for it. Yeah. Wow. Song. I was the chattiest.
0: Sometimes I'm the
1: chattiest. I I have done. Your show is so produced. I love it. It's like a real radio show. Not like mine. Okay. Mike Grieve says, I feel bad about my harsh Netflix movie rating and I go back later and give it an extra star. I don't ever do any ratings of things. No, I don't either. I don't want to commit. Yeah.
0: Do you know what I mean? I don't want to commit to like anything or have my name on any. A lot of times I'll start a comment on something and then like delete it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I never do that.
1: So, all right. well, but where, that's
0: nice. Mike seems like he's got a conscience.
1: Where does Yelp
0: fit into your life? I use Yelp all the time, but I never, ever, ever, like, make a review.
1: Right. But I use it constantly. Do you? Because mm-hmm. like, we were talking about something in here about, like, I was trying to find some kind of service, and I, I don't like going into Yelp blind like, like without, without additional information without someone I, if I was like looking for a dry cleaner or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I would sooner ask a person than just go on to Yelp because for some reason I just no. I don't, don't know why it. not entirely I think do actually you? I do and here's why and it's funny and I've really
0: like modified my expectations of Yelp so like one thing about Yelp is if a, if a if a restaurant or or a business has like 4 stars it's a stellar business because people only ever go on and give things five stars. People only go on when they're delighted or disgusted. Oh,
1: like podcasts.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So, And you know with podcasts, you can get five five-star ratings and then one one-star rating will fuck all five of those up. Yeah. So if someone has a four-star rating on Yelp, that is like – you're going to have like this perlative experience mm-hmm. there. So um, yeah. So I, I use Yelp all the time. It's just an easy – it's just – Easy way to get answers quickly. Yeah. Um, and anything that makes my life easier is great. And I think that crowdsourcing over a certain number of answers, if it's just like seven people, whatever, because six of those people are friends with the proprietor. But once right. you get That's up to the I hundreds. Always, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you go to That's a florist true. and they have three reviewers, you're like, Okay yeah it's not it's not helping me but
1: yeah alan pearson too a real quick just me if i listen to someone on the radio and or podcast and i'm not familiar with them i have to google their pick no i don't do that people will comment a lot that like oh i just googled searched you and blah 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 uh so and then that makes me realize people who have been listening to me for a while and didn't know what i look like and i and i usually think oh that's so weird that they didn't you know, look sooner. Right, right. However, there's people that I hear on the radio all the time and I have right. no, idea no idea what, idea what they, they look, look like. like yeah. right? Or like you're listening
0: to morning radio, like I listen to like hippie Dibby public radio and I have no idea yeah. what those people look like. And I met one recently and I was like, this is not working for me. I need you to like go revise your face. It's <laughs> right. not what I expected and I don't agree. I don't agree <laughs> with your face choice. <laughs> who was it or care can't you say? It? Um, who was it? Uh, it was, it was the, the local guy here um, who has... Uh, uh oh god it's like to the point What's his name? Some people can Google it while they're listening. He has a show called To The Point, and I can't think of it, but he's like a local institution with like public radio here. And he just – I had this I, – I, in my head, he looked like a beat poet. He was like, <laughs> you know, like dark with like kind of like shambly hair, like a goatee. Right. He smoked Like his fingers were like tobacco stained. And he's like this kind of like plump blonde. You Warren, know, like Bob's big boy. Worn only. Worn only. He does not look how I wanted or needed him to look, and I don't agree. I literally don't agree with his face, and I'm not – and I put it out of my head. He's back to mm-hmm. the beat poet. In my head, and he'll remain the that one, way.
1: the real Warren only. Yeah, and he's like only. he was kind of
0: gaunt, with like the, where you have to belt your your khakis and like the front kind of go because he's like smoking and thinking
1: about ideas all the time,
0: man. I feel like like I'm picturing almost a
1: Mark Maron type figure. Yeah, like an,
0: oh, if Mark Maron was older and gaunter and uh, like and and not in a relationship,
1: okay, yeah. Rob Jones, I feel pinkies and thumbs are not fingers. Black and white and gray are not colors. But damn it, Pluto is still a planet. Probably need medical help. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm loving this comment. Um, pinkies and thumbs. I get what you're saying with the fingers. I do still consider them fingers. Black and white and gray. I do consider them colors. But I do understand the I divisions Pluto, you're making. I let
0: Pluto go though. I'm, I'm really fine. yeah. Remember? Do you remember that book, um, The Little Prince? Remember he was, like yes. stuck on the, like. I just see Pluto as that size planet. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not a planet. That's an asteroid.
1: You know, I feel like there was a lot of um, meaning in Little Prince, but I don't Know what oh, it, it was is. super heavy. I can't tell you either, but it was super okay. heavy. It was about
0: isolation and the and like also maybe the Holocaust. I need to <laughs> I, I need know. to reread it because it's like really heavy book. There's so
1: many things that I read when I was too young to really get. Not Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Yeah. I feel like that. No, that was, and in the Crucible, su- I really oh, got. big metaphors.
0: Big metaphors in those. Yeah, like yeah, but very, Little
1: Prince. No, no, I really
0: do think Little Prince was like about isolation and love and like literally about like I I think he w- it was maybe like written in the context of World War II. So there was like you know like sure, big yeah. ideas in there, but yeah, but okay. no.
1: Sean Rob Dixon uh, gets annoyed when someone says knock on wood and proceeds to hit a non-wooden surface. Oh. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but at some point I did become that person who says, if I say knock on wood, then I try to knock on wood. Like actual wood. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, but, but if I can't, then I'll just be like, I'll knock on fake wood. Right. Like this know, surface here. Yeah, this console of vinyl fo- or whatever fo- bamboo. it is. I um do something that like an old...
0: Irish, like an old white man would do, like your old fat uncle would do, which is not say knock on wood, then knock on my own head. <laughs> And then after I that, like I that. steal your <laughs> nose with my thumb. I mean, I like, that's a
1: lay out. It was so stupid. <laughs> so, yeah. Do people still do the got your nose? I'm sure that was some, really popular. some kind of
0: plump uncle somewhere is doing yeah, that to a kid yeah. right now. Totally. A super annoyed kid is like, ugh, I'm going to update my Facebook status to say my uncle's a douche.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bryant Rich. At a Mexican restaurant, when they say plate is hot, I have to touch it. No, I, I don't have to touch it.
0: Oh, yeah. Because no. I
1: trust that it's really hot.
0: I have an anecdote that I think I can tell it's safe now. It's been – like the statute of limitations is up. Um, When I was doing Friends, there's – in the Barbados episodes, Jennifer Aniston has a bandage on her arm. And it's because she went to a restaurant, a steakhouse in Beverly Hills uh, where they brought her a sizzling plate and said the plate was hot. And she – whether she believed them or not, she – was talking to her date and pushed it with her elbow. Like, pushed it with, like, the, the flat part of her forearm yeah. and burned the shit out of her arm. Oh and so God. I never touched those plates ever. She's, and she's like, and you know what? I should have listened. He said it was hot. I didn't trust him. So, yeah, I don't touch them. I never touched them. She was fucked up. It was like a bad yeah. burn. Yeah.
1: That's funny. I've seen those episodes so many times and I don't remember the bandage. They did, the bandage is great. Like, I've seen them. And, I, and
0: if I don't think, oh, look for the bandage, I don't see the bandage. There yeah. was masters. Of, she's so beautiful, too, while you're just looking. It's like, oh, Jennifer Anison's got a strapless dress. And what's happening?
1: And what um, was it like I'm sorry, you probably this is probably one of your least favorite topics to talk about. No, it's okay. What was it like being on Friends?
0: Amazing, amazing. Like I was super grateful. I knew what was happening when it was happening. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you're like, oh, whatever. Then later, like I should have paid more attention. But I was like, oh my god, I'm on Friends. Holy shit! And it was when it was at its peak. Yeah. And I just come off to Talk Soup, or maybe we got a million viewers in a good week, and then that show got like 25 million viewers. You know, and um, everybody was super nice to me. And I was only supposed to do three episodes, and I did like nine or ten. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was I, every day I was like pinching myself like crazy, and I was terrified too, like terrified that I was going to suck. And I'm sure in some ways I did. So no, just was trying to like hold my own and not, you know, like I just I was so nervous. They, because it was,
1: that it, it was Friends, yeah, because it yeah. was Friends,
0: and like you don't want to, you know, the, I I learned how to do sitcom acting by watching Friends episodes. I'd seen every episode of Friends by the time I got it, which was not. I mean, I had become a fan, but I was really like, how do you? What's the best show on TV? Right for this to learn this style of acting and it was that show so i just watched it in reruns for you know two years and um which was great because when i got there i knew what to do mm-hmm. when i auditioned for it but then you get it and you're just like oh my god i'm here and like i could be fired at any minute and you know what's happening and i'm you know take your marks and shut the fuck up and you know yeah just terrifying what were the things you gleaned
1: from from watching like in terms of what what is sitcom acting
0: you know i mean obviously it's like heightened reality And no one really does it anymore. You know what I mean? Because we don't don't really have any like four camera shows. And even the ones that we do have, they uh, they feel super broad to me. They don't feel sophisticated Mm -hmm. because that show had a kind of a mash-like approach. Like there'd be high and low moments. There'd be intimate moments that weren't comedic. But like – I mean one thing they all did so well and like especially uh, Perry and uh, Schwimmer, both – Make a joke out of like a word. Like yes. they, they could make a, an entire bit out of one word. And there was one thing where they were trying to take a, a sofa up to, uh, to Ross's apartment, and he kept saying "pivot," and he's going "pivot." I, I can't that, it now but yeah. I remember like I think it was like, the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen in my life. And 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 Matthew, I mean, these are like the nicest people, and I don't think this is like telling tales out of school. The show's been off for so long, but Matthew Perry would have a line and he would always try to, like, kind of get all the way to the line without crossing it of, like, being too big. Mm -hmm. And he would make fun of himself a lot between takes, like, oh, I'm over the top and everything. But it would always be about, like, being super invested in everything that was happening. You know, like, just, like, everything was kind of the end of the world, Um, but not so broad that, like, it took people out of the reality of the show. Right? Um, They were all just incredibly – they could be incredibly big and incredibly nuanced at the same time. and And – And I would go on and I would pitch jokes and they would just never fly. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Like I remember I wanted to do like a – not a spit take, but it was like a – Joey gave my Charlie some wine. It was like really terrible wine. And I just wanted to spit it back in the cup. Like really – it wasn't a spit. Like I I just – I wanted to sip it. Like Like let it fall out of your mouth. Uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought it was great, but they wouldn't let me do it. But um, I,
1: that's that's weird. I feel like that would have been right. In it was what kind they of, yeah, yeah. It was like the
0: closest I ever a joke I ever pitched that was like right for the show. But um, also, you know, I think it was just that show had such a, like a rhythm and a tempo to it. It was kind of hard to like ever kind of slide things in, right. you know, that were outside of what they were thinking. But um, but that was okay because everything they were thinking they were thinking was great and. God, David Truman was so funny. Like, we did this. <laughs> the last scene I did on the show was when I was going to get back together with my ex boyfriend, um, who ended up being played by Greg Kinnear, which was like not a big plan of the show. There was like, going to be this kind of like Talk Soup meta moment where I was going to be like making out with my ex, with like the guy who hosted Talk Soup, uh-huh. you know, started Talk Soup, but it just ended up that way. Because originally I think it was supposed to be Dustin Hoffman, which would have <laughs> been hilarious because he's like that, half my yeah. size. <laughs> but um, there's this scene. <laughs> I'm like getting together with Greg and David's standing in the middle of us and he had to say, honey, this is making me kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and oh my God, it was like the funniest. He could just make one word fucking hilarious. And, I, and that's something that you can watch and you can try to learn. But I don't know. I, I, I just tried to internalize how they did things and mm-hmm. then essentially mimic them like a bird. <laughs> that was all. I mean, I don't know what I learned. Just copy the friends, you know, copy what they're doing. I don't know if I learned anything, but yeah,
1: yeah it was fun. Sean Brown photo. Is it just me or does everyone exhale and hold their breath for a second or two when someone coughs so as not to breathe in any germs? I don't do that. Maybe I should, but I don't. Um, I just suck up the germs.
0: I sometimes look away. I don't think I ever hold my breath, but I'll sometimes like look up and away. Yeah, just like up. But casually, so they don't right. get offended. Yeah. Right. But also, if you're coughing and not covering your mouth, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Maybe I just look at you in the eye and punch you. Ooh. Wait.
1: Say that again. Say if you're – we have a little thing. Oh, okay.
0: So if you're if you're coughing and you don't cover your mouth, go fuck yourself. Hey. Hey.
1: Hey. Go fuck yourself. All right. Here's one. I don't know how you're going to feel about this. I, Trent Jackson 2, the uh, need to push your ass back in after making a dumpadilly. So dumpadilly, I feel like it's self-explanatory, but it was – was it Jake – what was his name? Johansson? No. Gyllenhaal? Steinfeld. Or, he's a bodybuilding guy. Oh, okay. And yeah, he was on the, Adam, sounds right, yeah, yeah. on the Adam Carolla show. And he just casually said the word dumpadilly, meaning number two. Mm-hmm. Like this is just the it's word. Cute, That's just though. his word for it. Right. Yeah. Which, so I, of course, it's like, a, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Which I, I'm in love right. with this. So anyway, Trent Jackson, too, is asking if everyone needs to push their ass back in after making a dumpadilly um i feel like you're doing it wrong
0: i feel like you need medical assistance much like the earlier guy because yeah. if you have to you have a, either an like a life ending life-threatening hemorrhoid <laughs> which is what i think that would be my layman's diagnosis yeah. is that you have a really bad hemorrhoid or you have a, a polyp the size of like a human finger either way or maybe you need more fiber and water any three of these situations mm-hmm. is bad news for your ass. Right. If you have to push your insides back up into your bottom. Yeah.
1: Like how much of your insides are coming out? Yeah. Is it like
0: a little bit? Is it a lot? Also, are you of digging around back there?
1: Like what's how's your yeah. whole
0: hygiene program?
1: Yeah. How that- did you realize you need to do this? Was there a mirror involved? Right.
0: Right. Are you like you getting down like a speculum in a mirror just like what's happening in my ass
1: you need help <laughs> and i'm not like, it even it sounds like an educational book what's happening in my ass <laughs>
0: exactly like a, with the thick cardboard pages where you turn it its like yeah. everybody everybody <laughs> poops what's happening in my
1: ass you need help and i'm not even joking trent jackson too go get assistance p Feld. i think up snappy comebacks to use on people who i think could insult me then i'm disappointed when those people are nice to me Totes. yeah Totes. i'm not dis- i'm not disappointed though usually i think um I think oh, I'm so I have such a negative outlook on life that I even thought that I was gonna get into a situation where I would need to come back and it turns out they were totally nice or something right? like that. Right. So like
0: I did uh Larry King back when it was still in the uh with Ann Coulter and I was really ready to like read her The Riot Act and then the first thing she said to me was like I'm such a huge fan of yours and I was like, Oh god damn thank you because you know first of all if you're an actor and someone says they love your work you just like it's like kryptonite you're like oh really like, uh, uh. um and, uh, and i think he's an awful person that says awful things constantly so like i was really ready to be like let's do this yeah. you know um we got combative on the air which was fine but she was really disarming in that moment and it, yes. was, really, it was really hard to be like furious
1: i um i have also met her and she's so hungry I right? so like she's like a little
0: bone like a rattling like a like a saltine cracker with feet she's so thin. she's I feel like she's got away less than 100 pounds she's well she's what they call in the business and also in the world and also everywhere eating disordered <laughs> she is an anorectic she do you know that for sure well only by looking at her and mm-hmm. smelling the kind of like the wafting the gusts of of um like pre-death she's <laughs> she's super thin and um and 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 I'm sure she's nice to somebody and she was nice to me in that moment. So I she want to was give her really, that.
1: That's what I was going to say is that I was, I also, you know, sort of expected to have the experience. It sounded like you expected to have, but she's so friendly and super she was friendly. So nice. And my open, mom was open with face me to like, not even kind of fake
0: friendly, like, yeah. Hey, no, she's like, yeah.
1: she, she actually, I can't believe I'm gonna say this. She makes you feel warm. That's I, yeah. I thought, and then I was like, "Oh, that's how she gets to be that's this way, how she, right? Because right. she, because off air, she's, she's not so evil nice. all the time, right? right? Which would
0: just shri- like shrivel up into like that little lump of evil, you know, in mm-hmm. in the in time that. in the time bandits, um, and and maybe the act, maybe stuff on stage is an act. Maybe she's a performance artist. You know what I mean? And yeah, she just says the I, worst possible thing ever just to get people to react.
1: I don't. I wonder that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is the case? It's possible. I
0: think there are some people for whom that's a performance and, right. and they just were like, what's going to scandalize people? And you know, and then this is, and then you're saying something else terrible about her, which is she doesn't have the courage of her convictions. But she seems to me to be a performer. Like mm-hmm. what's the most scandalous thing I can say? Right. Because um, she was very nice to me and I don't – so I don't want to undermine that. She was very sweet. Um, but I, but she's she's still skinny. I feel sad. I feel like she's hungry. Maybe that's why she's so mean to people and she's so hungry when she's right. there
1: because she just needs. She's like a cracker. Uh, just,
0: and also like Nicorette gum's not a meal. BT <laughs> Dubs, ladies. Uh.
1: Anyway oh wow. yeah it well, was fun that, well thank you so much Aisha Tyler for doing my show I really enjoy it I'm trying to think if there's anything okay so your book comes out in July oh right? yeah Did you do the things should we do the? yeah things? Well, let's plug the things okay let's plug
0: all the things so you can see me every day on the talk on CBS um and I know you think you're like uh, too hip for it but it's hilarious and you should watch it or DVR it whatever
1: do you find that to be the case that people think they're too hip I for think it? people
0: think they're too hip for daytime tv mm. and then they like and then they're like I was homesick and I watched a show and it was awesome so that's that I'm really proud of that like I've had a lot men actually i remember like i was i was homesick or you know i like took a week off and my wife maybe watch it and now we DVR and watch it at night so that's great it's filthy by the way it's like the dirtiest show in daytime it's really great um i mean it's dirty as you can be in daytime tv but it's like it's for grown-ups i love it so that's every day and then archer actually season finale is coming up but you can always get any of the seasons on like netflix and streaming and dvd and things of this nature season four start, start to work on season five now um, I start Whose Line is in anyway in April. It airs over the summer. Everybody's coming back. Wayne Brady, called me, Are you excited about styles. that? I'm super excited and a little nervous because it's like huge shoes to fill yeah. with Drew Carey. And he's amazing. And I'm just going to try not to suck. Um, but they're, so they're an amazing team. And Wayne and I are good friends. And so I'm excited about that. Um, my book, Self-Inflicted Wounds, comes out July 9th. You can pre-order it now by going to girlonguy.net where you can also look and listen to all of my podcasts, both the the free ones and also the premium ones.
1: And this is your second book. You also have Swerve, A Guide to the Sweet Life for Postmodern Girls. Yeah, it's actually a placeholder.
0: The, the The real name was Swerve, uh, p- uh, Reckless Observations of a Postmodern Girl. Originally, the guide to the sweet life thing. I was like, ah, this is not a self-help book. This is a bunch <laughs> of random bullshit. Um, but yeah, so that was my first book. This one I'm really proud of and, um, and it's – I hope – yeah, I'm really proud of it. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. And then... Uh, and it's stories of your own... Stories of my own. Yeah, all and my failures. All, it's like literally like a book of Schadenfreude. So just if like, you <laughs> want to like see somebody fuck up like repeatedly over the, like the span of their life. Um, and yeah, it's how I almost set myself on fire, how I almost died. Just all like stuff that I did to myself. And hopefully people... Hopefully there's a nice takeaway, which is like, don't be afraid. You know, be fearless in your life. Even if being fearless means that you like run headlong into your own doom Um, it's worth it right because we just got one shot at all Mm -hmm. this so go nuts um, I think that's all the you know Girl and Guy that's all the stuff yeah. that's all, I think that's all the things and uh, we can follow you on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aisha Tyler
1: facebook.com slash Aisha Tyler and Aisha Tyler.com girlandguy.net yay and you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen and you can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith and you can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F thank you so much this, this was, was great this was amazingly fun thank you thank for thank you me. Thanks. bye you guys I love you
0: hey do you know we had a good time, but now we gotta go. Thank you for choosing the Allison Rose Show. and roads and shows